For the next hour, you'll be leaving the show me state and entering the show me the money state. So stop what you're doing, grab a pen, and get ready to learn. Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group will be your guides for straight talk and honest answers about living the life you deserve in retirement. So prepare to be empowered. Now, here are your show me the money hosts, Randy Floyd, Jake Floyd, and Jeff Shea. Good morning and welcome to Show Me the Money with Randy and Jake Floyd, the radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help you reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name's Jeff Shade and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions for you. But the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Randy and Jake Floyd at Floyd Financial Group. I will start with you, Randy. How are you doing this fine Saturday morning? I'm doing very well, Jeff. We had a great football experience with the Chiefs winning. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Kansas City Chiefs on a big roll there. We'll talk about Taylor Swift. Neither one of us, I think, are Swifties, but nevertheless, it is worth talking about. Jake, I'm going to turn to you. Happy New Year. How has the first five days of the year treated you so far? You know, I'm doing great, Jeff. Thanks for asking. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to 2024. I think it's going to be an uncertain but exciting year. (laughs) Yeah, uncertain. Let's go ahead and underline that. There's so much that is going on that's going to affect things. And of course, as the year unfolds, we'll be talking about them right here, not the least of which is the presidential election. Before you know it, it's going to be here again. We're going to be crowning a new president. But if not, we're going to keep our fingers crossed and just do the best that we can. Anyway, glad everybody could join us here on Show Me the Money. We've got a lot of great shows lined up for us here in 2024, and we're glad you're along with us every week. Okay, let's start with the fun stuff. Randy, you were talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. They've had a a little bit of trouble here of late. A lot of the teams have. You know, there's been lots of tremendous upsets by teams that have a below 500 winning average that are being beaten up on the top ones and so it's just interesting how it's played out this year but all in all you know the Chiefs are maybe going to put it back together they did win the AFC West and I think that's eight times in a row and I think nine is the record historically now I've got to ask the obvious question how much does Taylor Swift have to do with this and Travis Kelsey oh everything of course (laughs) everything (laughs) she's been to all these games and they win and but Jake you're not hopeful that this is a relationship that's going to last time will tell i suppose but uh if the previous relationships of both parties are to be uh weighed probably not but we'll see yeah well after all he is a professional athlete i don't know that you know stable relationships are you know really what that's all about i know a few professional athletes that have been happily married for years and years but that's not the case all the time and then of course you look at taylor swift i mean she is probably the poster child for relationships not lasting and then when they <laughs> yes. don't she writes a song about them that's true and and she's made a billion dollars doing it. Yeah, so. Exactly. <laughs> well, Travis Kelsey's jerseys, uh, you know, he, the sales of his jerseys really took off when he started dating uh, Taylor Swift. But I don't know. When they break up, what do you think that's going to do? Do you think the Chiefs will go south when that happens? No, I don't think so. I think, if anything, his performance has not been as good since they've been heavily dating. If you yeah, people, people will find something else to latch on to. Yeah, they will. You know, <laughs> Taylor Swift will latch on to her literal billion dollars, because um, <laughs> you know, that's not an exaggeration. Well, let's get on to some of the things that I think really are important to the people listening to the program today. You know, we talk about it all the time. I think it was probably the major story of 2023, and that was interest rate hikes. How much have interest rates been hiked overall? Well, overall, Jeff, since March of 2022, 
2022, the Federal Reserve has raised those rates from basically zero to 0.25, which is what banks get to borrow money from the government for, to 5.25 to 5.5. So about 5.25% overall, 525 basis points for those uh, people that like to study those sorts of things. You know, that's a lot. And we hadn't seen that in many, many years. And really looking back over our shoulder, you know, a lot of the troubles we had with banks and, you know, things that we heard back in what the first quarter to the second quarter of this past year, a lot of that was caused by that rapid raise in interest rates. You know, you can't just go out there and upset the world, put it up on its head and expect it to fly right, right? You just can't quite do that. And the interest rate hikes, I mean, some people are looking forward to them actually being reduced in 2024. Do you see that happening, interest rate cuts in 2024? Yeah, Jeff, I think there's going to be at least a couple of interest rate cuts. Um, There could be quite a few more depending on what happens uh, with the economy, with the election, things like that. It's a little hard to say the timing, but I think it's likely at least a couple of years from now that interest rates will be very low again, if not all the way back down to zero. There's a lot of reasons for that, um, not just the economy, also our debt and the refinancing of it needs to happen. So we have about $14, $15 trillion worth of debt that comes due in the next three to four years. And we really need to refinance that debt to where we have more time to pay it off. But we need to refinance it at a, a reasonable rate. And right now, a lot of that debt's around 1%. Mm-hmm. If we have to refinance it at 5%, that's going to be a serious problem. So the rest of the world is in the same boat with us. So I think it's likely that interest rates will find their way lower, either as a result of policy or economy. You know, Jeff, one thing I might interject here, too. We often talk on here about how the markets and and things are the foretellers, if you will, of the future. So right now, most of the S&P 500 and the analysts and the people that are managing funds out there have already kind of priced in at least three cuts next year is what they're really looking for. Now, there are some people that say it'll be more than that. Jeremy Siegel, who is from the Horton School of Business, uh, you know, he said, hey, the Fed's done. They need to start cutting rates and they need to do it a lot. In fact, I think his latest prediction was it will be 2.75 by third quarter next year, which would be roughly half of where we are right now. I'm not sure it's going to be that aggressive, but make no mistake, people have priced in rate cuts at this point. Well, the reason he was raising interest rates was to try to curb inflation, and it seems to have worked. Do you think that there's a possibility if it does not work as well as he he expected it to work in 2024, that we could see some leveling off, not only interest rates not being cut, but maybe staying the way that they are, or maybe even an interest rate hike as the year goes on. I think the potential exists for the interest rates to stay higher for longer than some people are expecting, especially if we end up with the whole Trump issue going relatively smoothly. If they start trying to decide for us who can run and who can't run for president in this country, the market is not going to like that, and that will bring interest rates down. However, if this all goes a lot better than it seems like it's going to go at this point, and again, regardless of how you feel about Donald Trump, I think we can all agree that it's scary that a few people are trying to decide who can run for president and who can't. If that goes more smoothly than we're expecting it, interest rates could stay higher for longer. I still think there's probably cuts coming, but whether they're coming two months from now or six months from now or 12 months from now remains to be seen. And that brings me to the presidential election. This is probably one of the most contentious presidential elections that we've ever had in the history of the United States. And as you said, some people are trying to prevent candidates from running. How do you think that that is going to affect the market? I mean, it certainly is going to really make the market rather tumultuous, I would think. Yeah, I don't think that the vast majority of people really think it's a good thing that we can just arbitrarily preclude people from running 
certainly the people listening to this show, I'm sure 99% of them can get behind that as well. Um, it's, it's a very dangerous and slippery slope to start interfering with the free election process. Current leaders weaponizing the office and trying to use it to thwart their opponents. I think it's concerning. I do think it's likely we get a better resolution than it may be looking like we're going to get right now. Uh, my base case is still that they will, quote unquote, allow Trump to run or at least not stop him from running. And I think it's likely we end up with Trump in, in 2025. You know, if that happens, the market is underpriced for that, given tax breaks and things that he will put in. Again, regardless of how you feel about him, he will be good for the market. He'll be good for trade. He'll be good for ending some of these frivolous wars that we're involved in. I think the potential for all that is pretty high and it's, uh, you know, to the good side. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't start World War III tomorrow. It doesn't mean that Congress can't do something stupid tomorrow. But I'm just saying that I think that's kind of our base case is that things will continue to work their way higher. There's too much negativity still in the markets. And if we get good news, markets are going to have some catching up to do. Well, from a tax standpoint, and I know that most people listening to us are interested in the income taxes that they pay. I mean, if that Tax Cuts and Jobs Act is not sunset at the end of 2025, we'll continue to enjoy these lower tax rates for individuals. So that is one reason why I'm, uh, you know, pulling for the uh, Trump camp there to make this happen is because I'm really enjoying these lower tax rates. And as a business owner, especially, this is very, very important to me. One uh, final thing I want to talk about. Before we uh, go to the break here, talking about 2023-2024, is uh, Apple was downgraded. I didn't think that anything could uh, really touch the health of Apple. Every dog eventually has its day. (laughs) Um, Those who know me well uh, know that I have been negative on Apple for quite a while. They're simply not innovating anymore, um, and they're being traded as a growth company that's not growing. And so they're seeing things that I've been looking at for a couple of years. And again, granted, I've been quote-unquote wrong. To be early is still to be wrong, so I, I will be the first to admit that I've been wrong. However, I'm not surprised at all to see the downgrade. However, it's important to remember when we're talking about Apple that they have the largest stock buyback program in the history of the stock market. So they buy back about $90 billion worth of their stock shares every year. Any weakness in Apple is going to be buoyed by their ability to buy back stock but also by the fact that they're 7% of every S&P 500 large cap fund, NASDAQ fund, you know, they're a huge portion of all these funds. And so as money comes in, there's, there's forced buying of Apple, more Apple than any other company. While I agree with that assessment, I'm not ready to throw out Apple just yet totally down just because there's a lot of things that are going to have to go away before they really start to have a lot of trouble stock price-wise. Randy and Jay, considering the things that we've talked about here in the first part of the show today, the first show here of 2024, Apple downgraded, of course, interest rate hikes, the presidential election, controversy, all of that. People listening to the program today want to know, what does this mean to me? I've got some money that I've been sitting on here in safe investments. I'm thinking about going back into the market. What advice would you give to someone who asked that question of you in person at the office? Well, I think a couple things, Jeff. Number one, I'll just tell you what I'm looking for. I'm looking for more in 24. Okay. Well, that's like a, that. I like that saying. <laughs> a little, little corny, but I like it. No, I like so it. So seri- seriously, I think we've turned some corners financially, but I also think we've turned some corners mentally. Okay. And I think that's going to play out this year. But uh, I would say this, you need to be invested somewhere 
Cash, you know, doesn't pay much right now. There's still some pretty decent interest rates to be had. Uh, we are seeing banks are starting to lower their CD rates where they were up around five, five and a quarter, even five and a half. They're now falling into the fours. Why is that? because they know that interest rates are coming down. The banks are looking at it. They're seeing that they're going to come down. They don't want to be on the hook paying five, five and a quarter when they know that the Fed's going to be able to offer them lower rates this year and now we're in this year. That's why they're making that that jockey for position. The other thing to think about is this. If earnings hold up inside the S&P 500 companies and if they can get an earnings yield of four or five percent as interest rates are coming down, that's going to force money back into the market and that's going to push the market up. So I feel like that uh, rates are going to come down, markets are probably going to be up for the year, and we're going to position our clients to be able to harvest some of those gains, both from the falling interest rate perspective, as well as the market going up. Well, Randy and Jake, I'm sure that based on our conversation this morning that our listeners probably do have some questions of you. So if you're listening to the program this morning and you need answers, then I want you to request your no cost, no obligation, no judgment Floyd Financial Group Retirement Review. You can do it this morning by calling 417-889-7233. 417-889-7233. Now, I know it's Saturday morning. Go ahead and leave your information there and Ashley will give you a call back on Monday and set you up an appointment to talk with Randy and Jake. It's just a friendly conversation conversation to create a path towards a prosperous and successful retirement journey here in 2024. Now remember, once again, it's not going to cost you a dime, but it could answer some questions that will put you on a successful path for retirement that could last, get this, 30 plus years or more. Once again, that number 417-889-7233. You can also request your complimentary consultation online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Time for a break, gentlemen. When we come back, we'll be talking about five 2023 financial events and the timeless lessons they reinforced when our show continues right here on 104.1 KSGF where Springfield comes to talk. Ready for another helping of some more real money talk? Thought so. Now here's another serving of show me the money with your hosts Randy and Jake Floyd with Jeff Shade. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about the five events that affected 2023. And how does that look in 2024? All right. From aggressive interest rate hikes to bank failures to the rise of AI, 2023 has shown us why it's so important to take advantage of opportunity, but also keep a level head with our financial plans. There's a lot we can learn from what happened in 2023. So let's go down the list here. There are a lot of them, but we're going to really focus on only five this morning. Event number one. When aggressive interest rate increases to combat inflation. Yeah, for sure. You know, we saw some moves there by the Federal Reserve that we hadn't seen for a very long time. In fact, <laughs> I remember back, I think it was 2018, right, Jake, when Jerome Powell came out on a Sunday and lowered interest rates 2% to zero. I think that's what it was, was 18 because I was sitting there and I was watching golf on a Sunday afternoon and the, this news flash came across and, you know, you're supposed to do that, Jerome, only on Wednesday every six weeks. So I don't know. He did do that during COVID. Uh, in 20, at the end of 2018, though, there was about a 20% correction because he had started to raise interest rates. And the market was like, I don't know about all this. Yeah. So he had, he had done the taper. We'd gotten through the lack of bond buying. And then he started to raise interest rates. And the market went down 20% in about 25 days or so at the end of the year That's in 2018. That was December so of 2018. You're right. Unfortunately, the Fed has a huge influence on the market. And once you've opened Pandora's box and you're willing to change interest rates and, and affect free markets, 
It's very hard to put Pandora stuffer back in the box. Right. Well, inflation peaked at 9.1% in June of 2022. I think for a lot of folks, though, it felt like a lot more than uh, 9.1%. There were basically three main drivers of inflation. Supply chain issues caused by COVID, the war in Ukraine, a domestic labor shortage. And I think it's really easy to highlight just how much interest rates peak. But it's also important to remember how long that we were in a 0% environment. We grew accustomed to that. Yeah, you know, Jeff, I remember toward the tail end before he started raising rates, people were actually getting, now get this, 1.99% 30-year mortgages. Wow. Now think about that for a minute. Yeah. How much money do you want to loan at 2% for 30 years? <laughs> I don't want to loan any. No. <laughs> but people were doing it right. right and left, you know, because we were so used to, like you said, that zero rate in, uh, you know, environment. Well, we grew accustomed to those 0% interest rates on our checking account, as you said, uh, sub 3% mortgages, they became the norm. But alas, those things are not normal. So what is the takeaway or the lesson that we can learn from that? Well, I think that uh, the lesson to be learned here is on everybody's front, and that is when you inject $6.5 trillion worth of new money into a system that's already (laughs) broken, and you send people home, nobody knows what the heck is going to happen. It's almost kind of like in the 2007, 8, and 9 with the financial crisis. We'd never quite been there before, and so they were trying to figure out what to do. So what do you do? You throw money at it. I think part of the reason why it feels like there was more inflation than 9.1% is because there was. And I think that these people have just underreported face lied to us about how much inflation is up. Again, everybody listening right now, I want you to tell me one thing that's up 9% over the last year, two years. Oh, yeah. Uh, I can't think of anything that's not federally no. subsidized that's up only that much. The only things that are that are up that much are, are being paid for elsewhere. You know, everything else is up 25, 35, 50 percent. Mm-hmm. Some things are double, depending on what you we're talking about. Just going to the grocery store, you know, where it used to be 150 bucks, it's 250 bucks now. It's not yeah. the fact that they think that they can tell us these numbers and everybody's just going to swallow it is very interesting to me. Of course, they did this back in 2008 with the unemployment numbers as well, where they changed the way they calculated unemployment to make it seem better than it was. The government does have a a long, sad history of trying to, quote unquote, protect people from uh, knowing the truth. I think I'm about ready for the government to tell us the truth for a change. I'm tired of them deciding for us what is acceptable and what is not acceptable for the public to know. I think the public should just know everything and then we can act accordingly. Yeah, well, I want to wrap up number one by saying I think the lesson here is take advantage of opportunity. I mean, if you refinance below three and a half percent, high five for you. But this is the most obvious one. What it illustrates is an important lesson. When opportunity presents itself, we must be willing to take some swift action because it may not last. Okay, Jake, big story in 2023, bank failures. Yeah, Jeff, so in uh, 2023, March, I think it is, we had several bank failures. And a lot of that was due to the types of investments these banks were making and excessive risk taking. However, since uh, the who's who of Silicon Valley and the influencers and the government uh, all banked there, guess what? They all got bailed out. Shocker. But yes, I think that when it comes to bank failures, I kind of thought it was going to get worse than it did. There's a lot of things on their balance sheets that are worth less because of event number one that we just talked about. So as interest rates went up, it devalued the holdings of a lot of these banks. 
people underestimated how much the value of those things could fall in a short period of time, given the aggressive rate raising that was taking place. And so Silicon Valley Bank failed. And then shortly after that, it was Signature Bank uh, and then First Republic Bank. You know, the amount of debt that institutions have, but also the amount of debt that individuals have, it's possible this may not be over yet. Well, Enron and PG&E in 2001, Lehman Brothers, Washington Mutual in 2008. I think you're getting the picture here. Even the biggest and the most dominant companies today may not exist tomorrow. So I think the lesson here is concentration creates wealth, but diversification preserves it. So that's the lesson we'll take from the bank failures. Number three, another debt crisis, in quotes, avoided. (laughs) Yeah, I don't really think so, but that's kind of what we've been told. Yeah, you're talking about getting the truth. Yeah, I know what you mean. Just because we're able to borrow more doesn't mean we can pay it back. Well, yeah. The key to the individual debt crisis here is unemployment. As long as people keep their jobs, we're not going to see this bubble burst. However, if unemployment rises meaningfully and people start losing their jobs, a two-income household, you know, a husband and wife making $50,000 a year each, two, three years ago could have bought a house that was $400,000. Yeah. It's just, it's way, way too much house. If they start to lose their jobs, they will walk away from those houses if they're underwater. That will kind of be the first part of all of this, right? So for the last 23 years, 24 years, but certainly through 2010 up to 2020, the house was used as a piggy bank. Right. So every time that people would over leverage themselves, they'll just go back to the bank, refinance and get some money out and pay off their credit card debt. Well, that's not really an option in today's world because interest rates are higher. Now, that may come around again at some point, but basically the key to this one, and so far it has been avoided, and I do think it could be totally avoided for the next few years, depending on what happens, but the key here is going to be the unemployment rate. If we start to get meaningful unemployment going up, we're going to see you know some of these debt bubbles start to burst. Well, let's do an analogy here. I always like analogies. Imagine that your monthly expenses are $10,000, and the problem is your income is $7,500, so you put the additional $2,500 on a credit card. When you approach the limits, you give your credit card issuer a call and ask them to increase it. Well, before long, it becomes a spiral that you cannot escape. And you see where I'm going with this. I think the lesson here is don't miss the forest for the trees. Event number four, AI comes front and center. People have been worried and talking about AI since at least, you know, when Terminator came out in the in the early 80s. Last year, it really it really became kind of a mainstream thing to talk about for the first time. I tell my clients and people I talk to, I think AI 10 years from now will be the way Wi-Fi is right now, meaning mm-hmm. 15 years ago, not every device you own connected to the internet, but now all of it connects to the internet, your watch, your car, <laughs> you name it, it pretty much connects to the internet. And so what's going to happen is I think the same is going to be true 10 years from now for AI, where AI is you know, kind of still this nebulous thing that we can't really see or touch. What's going to happen is your watch is going to be connected to it. Your computer is going to be connected to it. Your computer is always going to be trying to guess what you're wanting before you want mm-hmm. it. Sometimes it'll be successful. Sometimes it won't. If AI doesn't scare you, I don't think you're paying attention. It Fine. should scare you. However, 
It's also going to be the next big catalyst in wealth creation in this country and around the world. In the 80s, we had the advent of the 401k. In the 90s, we had the internet. In the 2000s, you know, we had a lot of uh, you know real estate and all that kind of thing was really blowing up. And then 2010, we had you know all this money printing that we did. We're always looking for what's the next catalyst? What's the next thing that's going to be the jumping off spot? And AI, no doubt, is going to do a lot of that through increased productivity, but also reducing the workforce at some point at a time where we're probably going to need it because people are retiring like there's no tomorrow. Yeah, AI should scare you, but it is also a massive opportunity. Right. And I think one of the pushbacks to uh, AI was it was heralded as something that was going to prevent humans from doing mundane white collar work. But as you said, if you embrace technology and don't fall behind, you'll be better off. So that's our takeaway for AI coming front and center. Now, did you read the article, though, about the robot at Tesla that attacked the engineer? Oh, yeah. (laughs) So I think the company that will probably carry the most profitability will be the one that has the universal off button yeah for, for yeah robots. we turn this thing need, off need, need a patent a kill switch into all robots yeah that, that's the next quadrillion dollar idea there i can get behind that one anyway that's what's happening with artificial intelligence i fear it to some extent but you know i wouldn't be where i am today had i not embraced technology you know when digital recording came along if i'd said you know no i prefer tape you know i certainly would have fallen way behind so take a look at technology try to embrace it and uh, see what it can do for you the final one here the one that didn't happen was a recession yeah i think um I think we need to add yet to the end of that. If we don't have a change in leadership, we're going to have a major recession. We need a change of leadership in this country. And again, whether you're a Trump person, whether you're a DeSantis person, or whether you're a Vivek person, or whoever it is that you like, we just need somebody other than Joe Biden. Uh, We have to have somebody that will stand up for this country. Assuming we have that, we may avoid this recession altogether, or we may keep it shallow. However, yeah, everybody was sure we were going to have a recession the second half of last year. And not only did that not happen, but we started to grow again from where we had gone down a little bit the first part of the year. Predicting recessions, predicting all this kind of thing is a little bit of a fool's errand, especially when it comes to the market. That time in the market is more important than the timing of the market. If you simply stay invested, that's what you want to do. So again, a lot of people want to be able to get in and out and in and out and in and out of the market. And while there are certain times to liquidate outside of the market, and there's times to be patient, for the most part, staying in, staying invested, making sure you understand your risk tolerance so that you can stay invested is really one of the big things. And and again, when it comes to the recession, we'll see what happens. Uh, As I've said many times on this show, please, please go vote. Well, I think the lesson here is that there's always more good news than bad, but you just got to look for it. And the second lesson is don't bet against the U.S. We're talking with Randy and Jake Floyd here at Floyd Financial Group. Glad you could join us here in this Saturday morning. If these guys are making sense to you, you want to get in and sit down with Randy and Jake and create a path towards retirement in which you not only survive, but you thrive. Why don't you do it here for the first uh, important thing you do for 2024? Take advantage of the timing right now. You've got most of the year left. Why not? 
take advantage of that and call 417-889-7233. Get in and sit down with Randy and Jake and have this conversational analysis of your portfolio. Ask your questions to put you on that path towards a successful retirement. Once again, it's not going to cost you a dime. 417-889-7233 is the number to call. You can also request your plan online at floydfinancialgroup.com. We're going to take a quick break, gentlemen. When we come back, we're going to be talking about some tax deadlines that you need to know about and more when our show continues here on 104.1 KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. We're back with your financial catch of the day, and it's a big one. Here's more Show Me the Money Radio with your hosts, Randy Floyd, Jake Floyd, and Jeff Shane. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about some tax deadlines and some things you should be thinking about. That's right. I mean, taxes are something that really I think you should think about all year long, but they come into focus here in the early part of the year because, of course, April 15th, uh, April 16th in some years is rushing towards us faster than we would like to think. So let's talk about some of the uh, tax deadlines here coming up in January. First of all, there's one coming up January the 10th. So, uh, Jeff, January 10th is the time when if you are somebody that earns tips for a living or part of your living, you have to report those December 2023 tips by January 10th to your employer. And I know that everybody that earns tips always reports everything oh, yeah. that they, that they <laughs> earn. To, yeah, I'll never forget, actually, when I, was, uh, when I was 14 and I had one of my first real jobs. I was working at a Piccadilly cafeteria in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. And um, so Piccadilly, for those who don't know, is a little bit like a Luby's or like Heritage Cafeteria used to be here where it's kind of a, a smorgasbord thing where you go in, you pick up your food, you check out, and then you go sit down and eat it. But it was kind of a pseudo buffet, if you will. But I went in and uh, my first day I went in and I made, I don't remember how much it was, maybe 50 or 60 bucks in tips. So it was a pretty good day. I was there, you know, eight or 10 hours and And so at the end of the shift, uh, you know, I'd never really had to report tips before. So the manager comes out and says, you know, hey, uh, you have to report each day how much you make in tips. You know, how much did you make? And I said, you know, 60 bucks or whatever the number was. And he said, no, 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 no. He's like, you had five bucks. Five bucks. And I I said, what? (laughs) And he's like, well, you don't report all that. You have to pay taxes on it. Then I was like. Okay. And so anyway, that was my first uh, forte as an as an honest guy. I, uh, yeah. I I definitely didn't like that very much, but I think that pretty much the norm in the restaurant business and uh, other businesses, not all businesses, but I thought that was kind of a funny story I would share. Yeah. Well, they make like, what, a dollar something an hour or something. Restaurant workers only make that much. So they make their living on tips. I always give the tip directly to the server and I give it in cash, but I guess, uh, you know, it's up to them to report it. Now, sometimes if you pay with a credit card or something, there's a place where you can give a tip and I don't know how that works. I've never gotten a tip in my life for anything that I've done. Over, I'll tell you a funny little story. Over the holidays, my wife and I were in uh, California and she wanted a cup of coffee at Starbucks. It was like five ninety five for it and I wasn't really looking and I just, you know, hit the button because, uh, you know, electronically you can say what you want for tips, I hit the $10 button. And boy, I tell yeah. you, I never never had a better cup of coffee. It was never quicker. The guy addressed me three times by name. He was really appreciative of that $10 well, tip. Well, that's good. January the 10th is the deadline for turning in your tip information. January the 16th, uh, what's happening then? So January 16th, that is when for all the business owners, you have to pay or anybody that's got a business, maybe an employment, 
you have to pay your estimated tax payment for the fourth quarter of 2023. After that, you're late and could be subject to penalty. All right. Now, we were talking about the penalty. What is the penalty if you do not pay your estimated taxes on time? So, you know, the penalties aren't that bad. There's one section that says, hey, if you haven't paid them, you know, in full by January 31st, whatever you owe, they're going to end up charging you a half percent per month of what you owe out there up to a maximum of 5%. So it's not too bad. There's probably some small business owners that are listening to this conversation today. And I was a small business owner, have been for many, 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 many years. I will just tell you that I was never one to really file quarterly payments. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't. If you got your tax person in place and that's what they're telling you, I would stick with them because they're going to guide you through the process. For a lot of people that are small business owners, especially if they're maybe newer in business or they're in a business where they're really trying to grow and get going, right. they may not have the money to pay estimated taxes sometimes. Sometimes if you're just trying to make payroll and things like that. Sure. Just know that is the deadline for you to pay your fourth quarter taxes to avoid all penalty problems. And what you're saying is if the penalty is a half percent, but you can take that money and make 5% on it, you're better off to go ahead and uh, not pay the quarterly tax payments. Myself, just because I like to keep up to a level playing area there, I always send them in. But you're right. It is just determined by what your tax preparer tells you and what you're comfortable with doing. Also, January 16th, we got a lot of farmers here in this particular area. Now, they have to pay their estimated tax by that time too, right? Right. Sure. They're small business people as well. And uh, there's some a few things that are different for farmers. I don't know about the fisherman thing for sure. I've never actually been taxed as a fisherman, but... Well, you don't uh, make a living doing that, do you? (laughs) No, I don't, actually. (laughs) Out there hauling a a, a long net or something in the lakes of Missouri? I don't don't think you're doing that. I don't know. I think getting a fishing license feels like a tax to me. But. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> kind of is. But yeah, same thing. Got to make your estimated tax payment for the uh, for 2023. So that's January 2024. Let's skip on to uh, February 2024 tax filing deadlines. Uh, February the 12th tips once again, but also February the 15th has some significance. Yep, that's when you have to file your W-4 to reclaim an exemption from a 2024 tax withholding. In other words, you want to. You know, look at who's in the household, who's moved out, maybe who's turned, you know, the magical age, I think it's 26, who's no longer on your tax rolls, unless, of course, they've got full-time employment or employment that's going to be taxable to them. So uh, February 15th is the deadline to file the W-4. So not a lot going on in February as far as taxes go. Let's jump ahead here to March of 2024. Again, March the 1st, farmers and fishermen file their 2023 tax return to avoid penalty if estimated tax not paid by January. And again, March 11th, tip reported to the employer. So that is March. Not a lot going on there. But boy, I tell you, we're saving up the good stuff for April of 2024. April 1st. What is the thing that is significant about April 1st? So if you're taking your first required minimum distribution from your IRA or potentially a 401k, there are some exemptions. If you're still working and you have a 401k, you may not be subject to taking an RMD. But for those that have to take the required minimum distribution, April 1st is your deadline to take your first one. That's if you turned 73 back in 2023. Just keep that in mind that you have to do that. And most likely you're going to have to do two in this year because you waited until April. Hopefully your tax person got you in the know last year and you only you paid one in 2023 and now April 1st of 2024 you can make your next one or sometime during the year and not have to double up and maybe move to a new tax bracket in 2024. And once again, for those people who get tips, you got to report them by April the 10th. I think the big one everybody knows about April 15th. 
Yeah, well, is, is it the 15th this year? Because, you know, it's been 17, 16, all those different times. You know, they've, they've played with that number a little bit. I always say 15 April is the deadline. That's what I always remember because, Jeff, I mean, forever it was 15 April, but it has changed a little bit, but it looks like it is this year, 15th right. of April. So that's right. April 15th does come on Monday. You've got to file your tax return and pay the tax due. But if you uh, can't do it by April 15th, you can file an extension, can't you? You absolutely can. And I know that there's a lot of small business people that file an extension every year, of which I used to be one. You know, I was just not ready to sit right. down and do that and maybe write that check that none of us like to write. And again, the deadline to file it is April 15th. It's supposedly the deadline that you have to pay your taxes. and You can file it later, but you're saying that if you do not pay your taxes by April 15th, that there's going to be a penalty on that, but it's not that significant? That's basically what I'm saying. Again, do not consider any of this that we're talking about right now today as tax advice for you. These are just some reminders and some things that you should be cognizant of. If you don't have a tax planner or someone to help you with this, we certainly can do that through our office here with Rod Link. But if you have somebody, be sure and talk to them about these things, and they probably already will be talking to you about them. Right, and their advice may vary. Once again, this is for informational purposes only, but I think most people know what April the 15th is, and, you know, it is something that comes up every year, regardless to uh, sure things in life are going to be death and taxes. April 15th also is the deadline to withdraw IRA contributions in 2023, right? Yep, that is correct. So if you want 2023 credit, you have to do it by 15 April. That's really kind of a good thing because it gives, especially small business owners and people like that who may need to uh, maybe up that contribution or do a contribution outside their 401k, or maybe they had a solo 401k at at work or or through their business, they can now go and file as maybe individuals to go ahead and get that contribution made into a traditional IRA to help reduce their tax burden for 2023. Yep. April 15th is the day where you have to report everything that the IRS isn't going to review for at least probably a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> well, nevertheless. If, if anybody has had any dealings with the IRS recently, yeah. you'll know that they are uh, yeah, yeah, not yeah. exactly on the ball with anything. I, I had actually in 2021, there was a mistake that they had made on one of my tax forms and they didn't they didn't find it for two years wow <laughs> and then they came back and said oh yeah here's your money back we over you know we kind of overbilled you here because we didn't see that you already had this amount in and we're like oh well thanks for that <laughs> Well, once again, I want to underline that if you do have questions, uh, certainly consult your tax professional. Here at Floyd Financial Group, our tax pro is going to be Rod Link, and Rod is available to uh, consult people who are clients of Floyd Financial Group. He's in the office, what, uh, once or twice a week? Yeah, and he kind of as needed, you know, depending on what the demands are. But yeah, he spends at least one full day a week here in our office. But again, depending on what demands are client-wise and that sort of thing, you know, we can get something scheduled. So once again, you got questions about your tax obligations, you're interested in tax mitigation. <laughs> Maybe you don't want to pay more than you have to in taxes. Certainly Floyd Financial Group can help you with that. So if you've got question about taxes, really anything about your retirement portfolio, call 417-889-7233. Get in and sit down with Randy and Jake and ask your questions. It's just a friendly conversation. It's a no-tie zone there at Floyd Financial Group to get your questions answered and put you on a path to a prosperous retirement. Once again, no cost, no obligation, and no judgment for that review. The number to call, 417-889-7233. You can also request your complimentary consultation online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Time for a break. We'll be right back with the final portion of our show right here on 104.1 FM KSGF. 
where Springfield comes to talk. Ready to climb a mountain of financial know-how? Good, because it's time for more Show Me the Money with your financial Sherpas, Randy and Jake Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about tips for level-headed investing in 2024 and beyond. And Randy, as we head into the new year of investing, now's a pretty good time to consider where you've been and where you're going and adjust where and if needed. So the number one thing I want to talk about here is know what risks you're taking. You know, one of the things that's probably propped this market up a little bit is the fact that public sentiment how people feel has been a little better in the fourth quarter and even late in the year than it had been. Now, just because people feel better doesn't necessarily mean that the market is better. So we have to be careful when we start to make investment decisions and make sure that we're looking at the basics of investing. What is going on with interest rates? What is happening as far as business across the country? What sectors of the market are growing? What sectors are declining? Where is opportunity? And as we build this investment strategy, we have to look at, hey, what's the possibility that the market goes down? And if it does, what damage does that do to my portfolio? Versus, hey, what if the market goes up? What's my upside? And then we got to actually consider everything in between as well when we look at developing an investment retirement strategy. So when you're building these retirement plans for people, Randy and Jake, you probably talk about the expected range of outcomes. How important is that to talk to your clients about what could happen and then what uh, strategies that you're taking to mitigate the downside of these things? Sure. So a lot of people, you know, as they've invested their money in their 401k and just dumped it in over the years for 25, 30, sometimes 40 years now, when they sit down with us the first time, they know they got this money over there to the side, but it's just kind of built up over time. And so when we start talking about return on investment and how much money they can withdraw, it's kind of a a new thought process for them. So we do, we take people through the process of saying, hey, you know, if markets are good, that's great. And we want to capitalize. If markets are bad, you know, we want to try to mitigate the downside as much as possible. And by doing so with you withdrawing money out of your accounts for the first time, rather than depositing money into those accounts, we have to have a good blend that hey, if the wheels fall off, it doesn't kill us. And hey, when things are good, we're going to get you know the lion's share of what the upside is. And it's always important to talk to people about risk tolerance and risk capacity. And any investment that you make has risk to it, but there are certainly ways that you can mitigate that risk. But I think any good financial advisor will tell you about the ups and the downs. And any financial advisor that guarantees And I'll underline, if anybody guarantees you're going to make this, I think you should probably head for the door. Second one here is being careful about anchoring to forecasts. Yeah, for sure. I mean, anybody can forecast anything. In fact, in the last two weeks, we've had market forecasts of negative 30 to positive 30 on the S&P 500. So depending on who you listen to, you could be scared to death or you could be elated. The long and the short of it is neither one of these people have the crystal ball that works. And so we have to go in and really use common sense approaches, looking at numbers and data and where we are to really be sure that we're addressing the situation as it needs to be done. Not just, hey, he says the market's going up, so I'm going all in. You know, it's kind of like going all in on black 17. You may win eventually, but you might lose a whole lot. 
That's right. I mean, nobody has an accurate forecasting tool that actually works. And instead of using some annual forecast to shape your long-term investment strategy, as you said, you want to maybe focus on some broader market strategies and trends to avoid making those decisions based solely on short-term predictions. The next one is to have a reasonable timeline for your investment strategy. Right. So many times when you read what I would call an investment questionnaire, they will ask you, what is your time horizon? That is a very confusing question for people. And let me tell you about time horizon. So time horizon is if I'm 20, my time horizon is very long. So I can stay invested and I can be more aggressive with my retirement funds. But if I'm near or at retirement, I've got to be really careful. And so my time horizon for my investment, and it could be that you have retirement money and you have other money that you plan to build a house with, that you plan to buy an extra farm with or buy a vacation home or something. But when it comes to retirement assets, if you're near retirement, your time horizon is generally short. And if you are looking at retirement uh, investments and you're in your 20s, 30s, and 40s, your time horizon is fairly long. So we have to look at, and I always ask people this, as you know, what is the purpose of this money? And when do you plan to go out and spend 500000 of it or, or whatever the number is, right? And they say, well, that's retirement money. I'm not going to do that. Exactly. So that's why we have to really be careful with how we invest. And time horizon is one of those things that plays into how much risk we can ultimately take during the time looking forward. So you should periodically reassess your time horizon in light of the changes in life and also adjust your risk level accordingly. We're talking about five tips for level-headed investing in 2024 and beyond with Randy Floyd here, Floyd Financial Group. The next one is challenge your thinking and make sure that you're not performance chasing. A lot of people's natural reaction is when a stock's up 200% one year is let's go all in on that stock next year. Occasionally that works out, but for the most part, by the time you get there, the run is over. And so it's very important to make sure you understand why you're investing in a company and not just simply chasing it because it did good last year and you don't really know what the company does and all that kind of thing. So sometimes it's the right thing to do to chase, but It's usually for other reasons, not because the performance happened to be good last year. A lot of people, if they're looking at mutual funds, they choose a mutual fund based on how it did over the last 12 months, three years, five years, 10 years. And depending on the economic environment, that may or may not be a good strategy. You definitely want to have a reason other than it returned a lot last year for investing in any investment. So if you're truly seeking to make some investment changes here at the beginning of the year, ask yourself some uh, questions, some brief questions here. Has the timeline for needing the portfolio money changed? Were you taking a risk that you're no longer able to bear going forward? And are you making a change because something else has performed better recently? So keep those in mind. Last one here. If you have a long-term strategy, don't fret the day-to-day. This kind of goes back to where we were talking about a couple segments ago, which is time in the market is important. You know, there's been a lot of studies done uh, over the years. And if you missed the best 30 days over the last 30 years, you would have had substantially less return. Your average return would have been like 3% instead of 10. It's nearly impossible to predict when you're going to have a, a big run in the markets. I mean, you know, this happened to us in the last quarter. You know, the market just started ripping up. 
myself and some other people were saying, hey, you know, I think this has gone down too far too fast. We think it could go up for technical reasons as well as fundamental reasons. And, you know, yeah, it, it definitely went up. But if you missed October 27th through the first part of December, you know, that was like a 14, 15% rally there. By stressing too much about the downs, you will risk missing the ups. You know, if you believe that long term the market is going up, then yes, it's good to not fret the day-to-day. Things are going to fluctuate in value. Short-term, there's volatility. But long-term, if you have a good investment strategy, have a long-term investment strategy, don't worry about the day-to-day. Keep your eyes focused on where you're headed. We're talking about five tips for level-headed investing in 2024 and beyond. We've talked about knowing what risk that you're taking. Being careful to not anchor to forecast, have a reasonable timeline for your investment strategy. Also challenge your thinking and make sure that you're not performance chasing. And finally, if you have a long-term strategy, don't fret the day-to-day. Those are five of them. And Randy and Jake, you guys have been doing this for a long, long time here in Springfield, Missouri. Is there anything else that you would want to add to that list generally? So, Jeff, I think having a well-rounded portfolio is also very important. That's not only well-rounded in what types of stocks or bonds that you invest, but also what asset classes that you're invested in. You know, we don't want to just throw everything in the stock market. We don't want to throw everything in Apple stock or whatever whatever your favorite stock is that you think you want to invest in. While we think that tech will, will most likely always lead stock market gains, most people don't have the risk tolerance to be able to ride out the tech ups and downs. So like in 2022, a company like Amazon was down 60% at one point. And now Amazon's not going anywhere, but that's a lot of volatility. A lot of people were upset when they were down 20 on the year. Understanding diversification, not only in the investments inside the stock market, make sure you're in all the different market sectors and that you're not too lopsided. But also, you know, look at real estate. Some people like gold and silver. You know, right now, a lot of cash type investments are paying four, five percent. There's a lot of different ways to make money. And if you're a little more diversified than when any one of those gets shocked, you're going to be less likely to panic and get uninvested because it kind of goes back to the last one, which is we just need to stay invested. If we stay invested, most of the time you're going to be in in better shape than had you not been invested. So, Jake, we remind people every week to call 417-889-7233 and come in and sit down for their no-cost, no-obligation financial review. Now, you've been with the firm 17 years or more. I think Randy certainly has been with the firm way more than 20 years What can people expect when they come in and sit down? Is it going to be some pressure-oriented session? I mean, are you going to force people to sign on the dotted line? What does that initial consultation look like? In our initial consultation, a lot of times what we want to do is just answer what questions that you have. In order to answer those questions, though, we will have to ask some questions of our own. We have to kind of understand who you are. A lot of people come in and say, hey, you know, am I ready to retire or have a look at their retirement assets? But some people come in and say, hey, I'm considering doing X. What do you think about that? Those are all questions that we can help weigh in on. We just need to get to know each other. There's no pressure of any kind. We're not going to ask you to do anything uh, in the first meeting and or talk about investing money in that meeting. We just explore kind of who you are, what's important to you. And then after that first meeting, we go to the drawing board and 
create a plan that helps you accomplish your goals. And so it's really about you and what you're trying to accomplish. We want to just help facilitate that any way we can. So for those people who have been hesitant to call 417-889-7233 because they didn't know what they were going to get themselves into, I want you to understand that this is just a discovery process. It's sort of like a public service. All you've got to do is sit there, ask your questions, and get the honest answers that you need to help you on your path towards retirement. And once again, it doesn't cost you a dime. There is no obligation, and certainly there is no judgment. So why wouldn't you want to get 2024 off to a good start? You can do that by calling today, 417-889-7233. Leave your information, just your name and your telephone number. Ashley will give you a call back on Monday, take a little more information from you, and set you up with an appointment with Randy and Jake to put you on that path towards a successful retirement. Again, no cost, no obligation, 417-889-7233. You can also request your complimentary consultation online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Well, gentlemen, we're out of time for this week. I want to thank you for your time, Randy and Jake. But most importantly, thank you for listening to us here, the fine people of Springfield, Missouri. For Randy and Jake, I'm Jeff Shade. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. The information provided in the preceding program is for educational purposes only and are not intended as investment advice for any individual or entity. All information contained herein believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representations as to its completeness or accuracy. The opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and do not constitute financial, legal, or tax advice. Please consult your financial professional before executing any financial strategy. Financial planning offered through Floyd Financial Group, LLC, an investment advisor registered in the state of Missouri.